All right, if you want to take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of James. And we'll be looking at one verse tonight. Now, you know me. That doesn't mean that I've got one verse. I've got about 15, so don't worry about that. I love, like they taking one verse and then adding to it, uh, to, adding to the bouquet. Um, so in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1, okay, we want to read that. Which, by the way, interestingly enough, in English, in English, the name is James. But in the Hebrew, it's Jacob. So it's the book of Jacob, really, in reality, not book of James. Just, just a tip of information. Okay? So he starts out this one verse and says a lot. He says, James, a servant, a slave, if you will, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. So we want to launch today. And again, this is simply an introduction message is all this is. But the question is, who's James? Who's James? Who is this man that we call James? Well, it turns out there are four men in the New Testament that we can find. That No, no, there's four. <laughs> there's four. And, and there are four men named James in the New Testament. So we need to determine which one is this, okay? Well, the first one that we have is James and John. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, okay? These were two of Jesus' disciples, and we have their story in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse number 18. They're calling, okay? Here's how it goes. As he, Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. No, not James and John, but Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were cast in a net into the sea because they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Follow me, he said, and I will make you fish for men. I will make you fishers of men. I'll take you, and this is so good. This popped in my brain. Okay, I'm going to take you from fishing for fish to fishing for men. Just like, just like, you know, God took Paul this morning and turned him from a Jesus hater to a Jesus lover, from a, from a, a believer hater to those who follow Christ lover. He's a, Jesus is a man who changes people. Amen? And so that's exactly what he does here. He says, I want you to leave what you're doing now, and I've got a new purpose for you, and that new purpose is to make you fishers of men. And then he goes on. Immediately, the Bible says, verse 20, they left their nets and followed him. Well, going on from there, just down the road a little bit, going on down from there, he saw two other brothers, and here's our James, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in the boat uh, with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. And immediately, how fast? Immediately. Immediately. Now, by the way, just for a moment of clarity, these men had met Jesus before. It wasn't like this guy walked up, stranger, okay, and said, hey, hey, you know, I want you to follow me. They knew, they knew of Jesus and had met Jesus. But regardless, in verse 22, immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. That, that regardless, is incredible. Amen? It's just incredible that these two men... And by the way, the call hasn't changed. He is still calling men and women to follow him. It is so much more. When the call, when the knock comes on your heart's door... Uh, my brother John blessed me tonight. Uh, was it 98 you said, John? 98. He said, he said to me, Dwayne, I can tell you exactly where I was when I realized I was lost. He said, I was sitting in that pew right there behind that pole in church. 
And I realized I was lost. It was two weeks later, I think you said, that he came forward and professed his faith in Jesus Christ. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, well, Jesus is not just a fire escape. Jesus is not just... If Jesus' point was to, for us to go to heaven and that's all it was, he would, we would get saved and then he'd take us to heaven. But he doesn't do that, does he? He leaves us behind for a purpose. And that purpose is to follow him and fulfill the work of the kingdom. Amen? Now listen, that's what you are about. If you are a Christ follower tonight, that's what you are about. You're not about fame and fortune and amassing wealth. You, as a Christ follower, are there to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. It may be in a bank. It may be in a school. It may be, you know, I looked at Dana, and I remember you retired recently, you know. We have several folks retired. It may be that. Whatever it is, as you progress through life, God has a calling and purpose for you to do. And so he takes these fishermen and say, now, I'm calling you from what you used to do to a new calling, and that is to follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So that's not our James, okay? Well, in in, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 13, and Luke 6, 16, we find James number 2 and James number 3, okay? And here they are. Um, And it says, um, when they arrived... Uh, they, and this is Acts chapter 1, they're going to a prayer meeting. When they arrived, they went into the room upstairs where they were staying. It was Peter, John, James, that's James and John together, the inner circle, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, and James the son of Alphaeus. There's our second James right there. James the son of Alphaeus. And it's a wonderful thing, I think, is because we don't know a lot about him. We don't know a lot about him. We know his name was James. We know he was the son of Alphaeus. But really beyond that, we don't simply know a lot about who he was. In fact, you know what's amazing? All these men are just common, ordinary men. Have you really, have you re-pondered that thought? That, that you don't have to be a president. You don't have to be intelligent. You don't have to be your IQ over 100, whatever it is. That you can be a common person and God qualifies you to work in the kingdom. You can be old, you can be young, you can be talented or untalented. But God calls us all and gives us the opportunity to work in His kingdom. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Because, you know, I, I was the kid. I was the kid. I won't lie to you. You know, I was the kid, you know, they line up and play kickball, you know, at recess. And I want him, and I want him, and I want him, and I want him. And invariably, it seems, at least in my memory, and I'm sure it was true, in, in my memory, it seemed like I was always one of the last chosen. Guess what? In God's kingdom, it's not that way. I love it. I love it when that song says, In heaven's eyes, there are no losers. I am so glad that God sees us and God sees us through his lens of grace and we are equips us and calls us for his glorious kingdom. So we got James, the son of Alphaeus. And interestingly enough, here's a side note, at least some theologians believe that James, the son of Alphaeus, and Matthew were brothers. You want to know why they think that? Because in one of the scriptures, Matthew is called the son of Alphaeus. Okay? So there's at least a possibility that Matthew, the tax collector, and James were brothers. Just interesting thought. Okay, this is James. Well, let's go a little bit further on down. Um, James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Now, this is not Judas Iscariot. This is another, uh, another Judas, and his dad's name is James, and that's James number three. In Luke six sixteen, it says Judas the son of James. And guess what? We know nothing about him. 
So we got James and John. We know quite a bit about James, by the way. He was later martyred, okay? So, so we, we know a lot about that James. We know virtually nothing about the second James. We know absolutely nothing about the third James. But all of them were still mentioned. All of them were still chosen for kingdom work. And I find that pretty incredible. All right, so it's time for us to say number four. And that is the James who wrote James. All right? And this is James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. I still, every time I, I preach on this and every time I say that, I love it. I love, can you even fathom, Kathy, can you even fathom growing up with Jesus? I mean, can you even fathom in the same household growing up with Jesus? What an amazing thing that must have been. And this James, the James with all the evidence points to that James, the half-brother of Jesus, is the author of the book of James. Now, interesting enough, um, in Mark 6, 3, these are interesting scriptures, okay? This shows the problem, okay, the commonality of Jesus. The non-believers were saying, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Hoseas, and Judas, and Simon? And aren't these his sisters who are with us? So they were offended by him. So the fact that Jesus was the guy down the road, the carpenter that worked at the carpenter shop, really offended some people. And it really caused this problem, by the way, for the Catholic Church. Because they believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary. They believe that Mary had no more children. And their explanation is, by the way, is that Joseph was previously married, and these were the kids of Joseph uh, in the previous marriage. Sorry, folks, it doesn't work. The fact is that Jesus had brothers and sisters. And one of them was named James. Now, here's what really is interesting. Early on, James was not a believer. Early on. Now, again, yeah, first you kind of want to go, why not? Well, you got to remember, I mean, you know, your brother's the son of God. I don't care what he does. That's hard to believe. Amen? I don't care, how, I don't care what miracles. You, you're God in the flesh. That would be difficult. Well, listen, these are just interesting scriptures. Listen to John 7, 2. Now, there's a festival fixing to happen, okay? All right? And this is John's bro- or Jesus' brothers chiding him to go to the festival. Here's how it goes. The Jewish festival of shelters was near. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where the festival is, so your disciples can see your works that you are doing. Now listen, here's the slam. For no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. Jesus, you're only doing this to get popular. You're only doing this to get public recognition. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then here it is, verse 5. For not even his brothers believed in him. How about that, Donnie? Not even his brothers believed in him. Listen to this one. This is Mark 3.20. Jesus entered into the house, and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, he is out of his mind. They just couldn't understand, they couldn't grasp the idea that their brother was the son of God. And you can kind of understand that, I think. It's difficult, but you can understand it. Well, anyway, so what happens? 
Well, in the words of Gomer Powell, surprise, surprise, surprise. Guess who shows up at a prayer meeting? Well, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, they were continually united in prayer, they being the disciples. And along with the women, they were all continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. How about that? So they go from going, we need to restrain him because we're pretty certain he's out of his mind, to showing up at a prayer meeting later on in the book of Acts. How did that happen? What in the world changed their minds? A small thing called the resurrection. You know, I said this this morning. Let me say it again. It's really important that we talk often about the resurrection. It should not, I'm not saying it should surpass the cross. And I mean, my goodness, no, no, no. But we should let people know that, that the cross is proven by the fact that Jesus Christ died and rose again. Rose again. That was such an undeniable. Of course, you understand, they could, at that point, at this point even, they could go down and say, uh, right there, that's the hill where it happened. That's where they hung him. This is where he was buried. They can take him from site to site to site. Not like they do in Israel now, going, well, we think this is it, we think that. They knew for certainty because all the facts were there. It's an amazing, amazing proof. And so what happened was, is that when Jesus resurrected, I mean, you can say, he may, he may heal blind men, but I don't think he's God. He, he may heal leprosy, but I don't think he's God. But when a man is hung to a Roman cross and beaten to a pulp and dies, and they put him in a, I love this, I heard the other day with Andy Sand talking about this in a message he was preaching. You know, they, they took 75 pounds of, of spices. And they would take this body and they would wrap it tightly, putting the 75 pounds of, of, of spices around his body. And Andy Stanley simply said this, if he wasn't dead, he was by now. If he wasn't, of course he was. But if he wasn't dead, he's dead by now. And along comes the resurrection. If, when a man dies on a cross and comes back to life, that's irrefutable evidence. Irrefutable evidence that he is something more than just a man. And like I say, you may not... Be, by the way, freebie, freebie, freebie. Don't let what you don't know about the Bible and about Jesus and about God, what you don't understand, scare you. I like the fact that I don't know everything about God. I like the fact that I can't understand anything about His Word because to me it just proves how big He is. I mean, if I fully understand God, He'd be a pretty small God. But I'm glad we can't understand that. Well, so, so they're at this prayer meeting and there's a reason why it's called the resurrection. And here's, here's the proof, here's the deal. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's writing, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 7 and 5, here's what it says. Paul says, I passed on to you as most important what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Somebody say amen. Christ died for our sins. The wages, Dave Nate, the wages of sin is death. We deserve eternal separation from Christ. That's what we deserve. None of us deserve heaven. Boy, burn that into your heart. Burn it into your mind. Because when you get a little puffy, that will quickly deflate you. All you deserved was hell. All you deserved was eternal separation from God. That's all you deserved. Okay? And Christ died, though. You know, I love it. God, God made the price. He laid the price. He set the price. And then paid the price. 
through the death of his Lord Jesus Christ. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So uh, here's what I received, he says. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried. I told you, 75 pounds of spices were there. That he was raised on the third day. That he came back to life. And by the way, again, Lazarus was buried in the grave four days, okay? And, And he came up to life again. But see, Lazarus had to die again. He had to die again. Jesus never did. Never did. Never did. Only man to ever die and resurrect, never to die again. So he's raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And here it is, verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, who was Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to James. And guess what James it is? It's James, his brother. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember what's the scripture? Mark 16, 7. Okay. You know, he tells, Jesus tells whoever it was he's speaking to. I'm, I can't remember, to be honest with you. You know, but whoever he's talking to, he's resurrected. And he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Remember how he singled out Peter? You don't know why, don't you? You know why, don't you? Peter had failed so miserably. He had failed, you know, Jackie had failed so miserably. So, so Jesus sent a special message to Peter. He said, you go tell the disciples, but you make sure Peter knows I'm resurrected. Well, for some reason, maybe he saw potential in James. Maybe James was the second oldest. I don't know. But for some reason, Jesus chose James and appeared to him. Okay? And then... The commentary said, no proof of this, I think it's a conjunction, okay, uh, conjunctory, is that, that he then, James went and told the other brothers and said, hey, guess what? Our brother Jesus is alive. He's resurrected, all right? And then, then to all the apostles. So when James saw the risen Jesus, game over. Kind of like Peter, I mean, excuse me, Paul this morning. When, when he hears the voice, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you're persecuting. What do you want me to do? Instantly, everything changed for Paul. Instantly. Same thing with James. He instantly became a follower and a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. It changes everything. So then what happens to James? What happens to him? Well, one, he becomes a pillar in the early church. So he instantly rises then to leadership in the, in the church in Jerusalem. In Galatians 2.9, I like this. When James, the Lord's brother, when James, Peter, and John, those recognized as pillars, as leaders in the church, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. Speaking about Paul. They gave me the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So, so what happens to James? He rises in prominence and becomes a pillar in the church. At Jerusalem. How amazing. Now remember now, remember, at Easter, at Easter, he is a non-believer. Just a few short years later, very short years later, he's a leader in Jerusalem church. Tell me God can't do miracles. Tell me God can't take crackpots and make them whole again. You know, tell me that God can take people who say they have no talent, no ability, and if you'll make yourselves available to God, what God can do uh, through his amazing grace. Amen?
Amen? All right, so secondly, secondly this. He then moderates the Jerusalem conference. Now, I told you, why did Jesus choose uh, James to appear to? He saw something in James, perhaps leadership potential, perhaps wisdom. You remember where, where James writes in his letter, if any man lack wisdom in the ask of God? Perhaps James saw, saw wisdom, a clearer picture of wisdom uh, in his life. Because he, as the leader of the church at, of the council at Jerusalem, you know, has to make some big decisions. Here's what happens. You know, Paul brings up some Gentiles, and, and there's some Judaizers there saying, these Gentiles, if they're going to be saved, they've got to have some surgery. They've got to be circumcised. You can't be a Christian without going through the rite of circumcision. And Paul's saying, no. Peter spoke up and said, we can't even keep the rules. Why are we trying to make them keep the rules? And finally, James just speaks up and says, well, here's what he says. After they stopped speaking, James responded, brothers and sisters, listen to me. And he came up with a great idea. A great way to where the Gentiles didn't have to go through a surgery. And he also affirmed and upheld the part of the Jewish law that had to be upheld. So it's really cool. God gave him great wisdom as the pillar of the church. Now, we don't really know how he died. Okay? But tradition has it. Please note that word. Tradition has it that he died in A.D. 62 and that he was cast off a pillar, a a pinnacle of the temple, and then beaten to death. That's how tradition has it that he died. Now, there's something, of course, that's very special about James. And that is, did you see it? James, the brother of Jesus. Did he say that? He didn't. Look at look your Bible. What does it say? Did it say James, the brother of Jesus? No. He could have played James, the brother of Jesus card, but he didn't. He played James, the servant, literally the slave of Jesus Christ. Isn't that significant? Isn't that significant? We see a beautiful humility. Even though he could play the brother card, he chose not to. He played, and by the way, where did he learn that from, do you think? His big brother. His brother, you know, washing feet. So in James chapter 1, verse 1, the last part, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I thought to myself, what would be a good scripture to illustrate that teaching, okay? And I came to Luke chapter 14. Um, this, you'll be familiar with this. And when Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the front door. So he's trying to say, this is how you avoid embarrassment. And by the way, did you know this unintentionally happened to me recently? Yeah, we recently went to the, with the senior adults to the Baggett Theater for the Christmas program, which, by the way, was incredible. And so there are a couple of seats open, you know, on the aisle. And so I plop down there, you know, and I'm just visiting, you know, do da do do And Laverne walks in and says, Preacher, you're in my seat. <laughs> and, 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 and she said, you've got to get up. I said, what? What do you mean it's your seat? It's my seat. I pay for it. <laughs> she was right. I didn't know we had assigned seats. They had little numbers on them. Okay. But boy, let me ask you a question. Who do you think I, anybody think I was embarrassed? Ooh, boy, was I embarrassed. I'm like, oh, gosh, man, I feel really bad, you know. You don't feel terrible, okay? So I know this feeling, and it's not a good feeling. So Jesus says, so when you go to dinner, don't take near the front. Take it near the foot, okay? Here's why. 
Take the lowest place, verse 10, at the foot of the table. Then when the host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. In fact, wouldn't it have been cool if somebody had been there, and it's nobody's fault, if they said, oh, Brother Dwayne, we got a special seat just for you. It was only one row back. And there were two, I didn't see him, there were two seats sitting there. You know, here, you know, here's your seat. You know, I didn't know that. Okay, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all the other guests. Okay, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus, Jesus was teaching. And even though James was not a believer this time, he was listening. That's why, by the way, when lost people come to our church, we got to make it easy for them to hear. We got to make it easy for them to hear the truth. Because the truth will set them free. Okay, so who's he writing to? You know, Paul would say to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Galatia. You know, John would say, my dear children. Well, he writes, according to the scripture, he writes to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad. Okay, now now we touched on this this morning, and you may not even noticed it. In fact, only if you had the app did you see the rest of the verse. Okay, but if you had the app this morning, you saw the rest of the verse. In Acts 8, 1, and then also verse number 4, here's the part you heard this morning. Paul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, what day is that? The day Stephen was killed. The day Stephen was killed. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. This was part of the dispersion. And it happens like throwing gas on a fire um, when Stephen was stoned. So those who were scattered, watch this. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word of God. Oh, wait a minute. Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. We would look at this and go, oh no. Oh no. The church has been scattered. And we would say, that's horrible. But no, it's good. You know why? Because as they went, what were they doing? Preaching the word of God. Preaching the word of God. God took a nucleus and spread them out across Judea and Samaria. And guess what? God's plan is always best. Always best. All right? So, the word dispersed means the scattering of seed. So you can just imagine as God, as these people were scattered according to God's plan, you know, they're just throwing the seed of the gospel around, around. Okay? Now, here's, here's what you need to know. Chapter 1 is an introduction chapter. Okay? Now, unlike, unlike Galatians and Ephesians and First and Second Timothy and First and Second Thessalonians, all those were letters that Paul wrote directly to a church. And usually he addressed certain problems in the church. Okay, unlike that, we have the introductory chapter, chapter 1 of James, okay? And then we have chapters 2 through 5. And they don't really, they don't really follow that pattern, okay? Basically, there are 12 short teachings in chapters 2 to 5. Each one can stand independently. You look at it, you've read James before, take a look and you'll see what I'm saying. Through chapter 2 through 5, there are 12 different teachings, sermonettes, if you will, that James shares and they all stand individually, okay? So this is by far, I think, in my humble opinion, this is probably the most practical book in the New Testament. I mean, if you want a book that's going to teach you how to live as a believer in this world, James is your book. James is your book, hands down. I'm really looking forward to sharing it. Now, now I'm going to warn you, some of what we're going to be teaching in the next 12 weeks or so, you know, we've heard it before. 
In fact, we may have heard it recently. Like I told you, next Sunday night, you may hear that scripture on joy, count it all joy, because we just preached it about a month ago. I have an option to skip it or go back and teach it again. I'm still not sure what I'm going to do. I'll probably end up teaching it again because it's that important. A couple of things else you need to know. Even though James was not a believer in Jesus Christ, he paid attentions, attention to the teaching of Jesus Christ. So there are two things you need to know. When you look at James, you're going to see, and I'll try to tie this in, you're going to see a parallel between the book of James and the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to see a very... In fact, you're not going to see a casual parallel. You're going to see a strong parallel. So, so apparently, James heard the Sermon on the Mount, and later when he wrote his book, okay, then you see that, that strongly paralleled in his book. Another thing that you'll see is Proverbs. You'll see a lot of the wisdom teaching from Proverbs 1 through 9 in the book of James. And that would make sense because he was raised in a very strong Jewish home. It just makes perfect sense that, that he would have the book of Proverbs in. So two great influencers then in James's life was the teachings of Jesus, primarily the Sermon on the Mount, and also the book of Proverbs. Those two things are very, very big in this wonderful book. And then he ends it by just simply saying, Greetings. Greetings. So I hope you'll come back on Sunday nights. We're so glad you came tonight. And, and I hope you'll come back on Sunday nights as we go through this book of James. It'll probably take us about, oh, three months probably um, to get through it, I'm guessing. Uh, take us that long as we look at this incredible teaching of the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of James. All right? So let me lead us in prayer. If you want to come up and lead us in a song, that'd be great. And this will, this will be our decision time. Because you know what? You never know what God wants to do. Amen? You never know. So there's something I can pray with you about. Uh, something you need to, to come talk about. That would be great. We'd be glad to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to introduce James tonight. Father, thank you for the half-brother of Jesus, that he came to faith. Thank you for the power of the resurrection that helped him discover that truth. Thank you for, is the word considerate right? How considerate you were that you made sure you appeared to him and said, James, I know I'm your half-brother but I am God, and changed his life, just like Paul was changed on the road to Damascus. Father, again, as we launch into 2019, Father, I pray that you'll help us. Help us. This book of James is a great book to help us as we begin journeying through this year. May we be a people that truly are about your business. And again, I want to thank you uh, for our church family. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.